And so, uh, so far in this series, we have looked in depth at what is meant by the different clauses of the Apostles' Creed, uh, why it's important that we actually know um, that what we proclaim, um, how we know that these words of faith um, prepare us, how we know that they are truth and where they come from. Um, and remember that the creed is a summary of all that is found in scripture. And, and there's nothing that's in the creed which isn't found or backed up, if you will, by God's word. And so as we continue our study now, looking at the Apostles' Creed, we're going to look at that, really the, the culmination of the, the section on, on Christ the Son. So remember that the said weeks back that the, the, the Apostles' Creed is a Trinitarian in nature. And, and from next week, we'll move on to beginning to talk about the person and the works of the Holy Spirit. Um, but today we're considering that Jesus Christ ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father and that he will come again to judge the living and the dead. So I want to begin with a question. A question which hopefully we'll be able to unpack a little bit this morning, but why is it important that we profess our faith as we do so mentioning the ascension? Well, follow that up with another question that if we didn't, and, and that came out of the creed, would that have a bearing on faith? Would you miss it if it wasn't there? And if I'm honest with you, I think we need to talk about it more. Um, see, books, sermons, devotions, they, they, they tend to focus on the kind of things that we've looked at last week. At the cross and the resurrection. And the, the ascension is very, very often looked over. It's, it's very often not a key theme that people will uh, concentrate on. But what we're going to look at a bit later on today then becomes a key you know the uh, eschatology how the world's going to end um so you've got this section the, the the ascension which kind of just is left out so what is the importance then of our professing the ascension well simply i'd say this that without the ascension the power of the gospel is nil. There is no power in it, none at all, if the ascension doesn't happen. Um, and this might sound strange a little to you, and, and that's fine if it does. Uh, this is the reason that we're going through uh, this study on the Apostles' Creed right now, and we're, and we're looking at each element, each clause as, as we go. See, because without the ascension, there's no coronation of Christ. If he doesn't go to heaven, 
He's unable to sit on the throne at the right hand of the Father. And we can really add two more things to that. Um, yes, you've got Christ's coronation, and, and, and that highlights the importance of ascension, but also, without the ascension, there's no deposit of the Holy Spirit, and there's no preparation for eternity. I want to say a few words to each of these, starting with Christ's coronation. You see, Scripture tells us that Jesus was carried up into heaven, or, or lifted up and carried away by a cloud. And the point here is that Jesus went to be with the Father, that he went, that he went to heaven. Um, but this is not saying that heaven is a place up in the sky. You see, what we're reading here uh, and what we're speaking of as we profess faith in, in, in the fact that he ascended to heaven is, is really we're saying that he is elevated to his rightful place, to a place of honour. He is he's lifted up. He is high and lifted up above all things as he's crowned as king of the cosmos. And, and see that the seating of Christ at the right hand of the Father is the crowning glory. It, it underlines that Christ's present reign is now. That he is continuing the work that he started here on earth through his body. That's the church. And our salvation, it depends on Christ being king. And, and therefore, it depends on the fact that he ascended to heaven and is being exalted above all other things, made king of all that ever was and, and all, all that ever will be. So if we believe that Jesus is sat at God's right hand, ruling in the here and the now, then we've got to believe that he ascended to that position. Because without the ascension, I said it, there's no coronation. Without the coronation, there's no gospel proclamation. So without the ascension, the power of the gospel is nil. And the second thing to highlight here, that the importance of the ascension, um, it brings us the deposit of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus spoke of, of the Holy Spirit uh, coming after he had left the disciples. And he told them in John 16, 7, uh, that he must leave. But that it is to their advantage that he goes. However amazing it would have been to actually um, walk side by side with Jesus, to have touched him, to have eaten with him, to have, to have heard his teaching with our own ears from his mouth. It pales in significance to that of the deposit of the Holy Spirit to all who believe. See, the Spirit is our comforter. The Spirit is our guide. The Spirit is all... To, to all believers, the Spirit is what enables us to continue Christ's work. And indeed, as he himself said, do greater things. See, each and every one of us, wherever we are in the world, we have access to the Holy Spirit. As we are in Christ, so the Spirit lives in us. All power, all authority that was given to Christ is passed on to us through the Holy Spirit. And so without the ascension, the Spirit doesn't come. So there's no Pentecost, like we looked at a few weeks ago. Peter doesn't proclaim to the multitudes there at the Feast of Weeks. And as such, there's no church. 
that is how important it is that we recall and that we celebrate and that we profess faith in the ascension. And that last point on this, uh, why uh, the ascension kind of so, so important, if, they, if those two don't make the case enough, it is that Jesus declared that as he goes, he goes to prepare a room for us in the house of his father, which has many rooms. Okay, if Jesus had not ascended, if he were not coronated, crowned as king of the cosmos, then he would not right now be actively fulfilling that promise of securing our eternal salvation. And that is what he's doing right now. Right now. He isn't just sat there next to the Father watching us get on with life. He is working. He is preparing a place for you and for me. And he will do so until the day that he comes again. The day when he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Yeah, he's not just waiting for that moment. He is actively preparing a place for all who believe in his father's house. And when he stops doing that is when he will then come again to judge the living and the dead. And that's what we believe, isn't it? That is what we believe. And that's what we profess then in the creed again, following clause, that he will come again to judge the living and the dead. That's what happens at the end of time. We just don't know when the end is actually going to be. We're not alone in the world in having an understanding of how the world will end. We don't share the exactly how it's going to end, but every worldview argues for some form of ending. Um, it could be an expectation the world just fizzles out could be an expectation that there's some big eschatological event which ends in life stopping all at once, instantly, that the world just blows up. But the important thing is for us, um, as we follow Jesus, is to understand that the end has to, for us, be in the context of the meta-narrative of scripture. You see, we read about it. Um, we've talked about it here in this series. At the start of this series, we looked at creation and how we profess belief in God as creator. That there's this, this purpose in this world being created. That there is a, that there is a grand designer a designer who surpasses time and space. He is the uncreated creator. And as we journey through the creed, we have, have until today, we've been concentrating on past events. Okay? And the, and the present we have looked at this morning in, in what Jesus is doing right now, post his ascension to heaven, that he is preparing rooms for all of us. And here, as we come into this, 
that, that he will come again to judge the living and the dead. We're moving into the future. And what is the, what is the cause for this need? Why do we profess that he will come again and he will judge? Why can God not just give us a, a, a pass in life and, and, and welcome us into heaven at the end? Why does there have to be judgment? Well, if, if we all just got a pass, then the case is that Jesus' life, death and resurrection and ascension would be meaningless and there would have been no need for it. And we know that's not true. See, the story of scripture, it goes through, doesn't it? The creation, the fall, redemption, and then I call it completion. And, and ever since the fall in the garden, you've got human beings forever trying to search for fulfillment. There's this, this hole in our lives. It, it's, it's kind of a God-shaped hole, but people try to fill it with anything and everything that isn't God. You and I know that this is, it's much harder than it sounds um, to, to fill the God-shaped hole with God. Um, there are so many noises in the world, so many other voices, um, and they take our ears and our eyes away from that desire to let God fill us. And if If we're honest, if we're truly honest with ourselves, we can be our own worst enemies. As we allow ourselves to have our head turned, to have our attention uh, to be taken away from that of Jesus Christ. See, wherever, wherever we stare, that's where we're gonna steer. I'll say that again, wherever we stare, that's where we're gonna steer. Whatever takes our attention is where we're gonna head. See, Hebrews 9, uh, verse 12, it tells us that Christ came to bear the sins of many. But it also tells us that he will come again. And in the second coming, he will save those who are awaiting his return. You see, we may not get things right all the time, but we have got to want to get things right. We have got to want to be moving in that right direction. Like, like we spoke of earlier when we were talking about our, our confession and moving into the light. And we've got to want to, to walk in the right direction, to live in line with the truth, to live in line with God's word. See, as Christians, we don't, we don't simply get to just accept Christ and then put our hope in him, and that's it. We don't get to do that without really actually walking away from the previous life from our previous desires and our previous way of thinking see peter in his first letter uh, chapter 1 verse 13 he writes that we are to set our hope fully on the grace that will be brought at the revelation of jesus and this leads us to really to live a new life a new life which is found in christ a life of hope a life of anticipation, a life of having confidence in Christ, 
but it's all got to come at the same time as we live a life of commitment. See, most people don't like to talk about um, the wrath of God. They don't like to think of, of God as being judge. They don't like to think of, of that because they like to just concentrate on God as love. And they can't see how the two can possibly go together. And it's a sad reality that we have in the world. It's a sad reality that we have within the church. Um, see, one can only really arrive at this point by, by rejecting part of God's word. And then really by rejecting who God says he is. If we don't accept that God is judged, that God has wrath. So Jesus himself spoke many times about judgment. Uh, just pick Matthew 25 as a clear example of that and, and the separating of the sheep and the goats. Um, he says all will, all will stand, right? All will stand in front of Jesus and all will be judged by him. But those who have placed their hope in him, those who have turned to him, those who have accepted him, and that means living a different life than those who have not, will be seen as righteous and that is that is unneeding of the punishment of judgment because he will see them as righteous that the judgment will be you are righteous and the key here is that to accept Jesus is to turn away from all that is evil it is to walk in a different way it is to steer clear of all that is not Jesus by staring at him keeping your eyes fixed on him remember you steer where you stare and I'm reminded right now is, is, is Peter as he gets out of the boat to walk on the water towards Jesus and he does he walks on water until he takes his eyes off Jesus and he looks at the waves and he allows fear to set in and he begins to sink. When we take our eyes off Jesus, we begin to sink. You see, keeping our eyes on Jesus, following his example is vitally important for all of us as Christians. We don't, we don't inherit this, this get out of hell free card to use on judgment day it's not like monopoly you know um you've landed on judgment day go to judgment day and you pull out that card that you got from from the chance pile and say hey thanks here you go carry on that's not how it works see we we're going to be asked on judgment day have you been faithful So I can ask, how do you see your future? What would you like to be doing on Judgment Day? Do you want to be riding Space Mountain at Disney World? Do you want to be 
sat watching the Ravens. The Orioles. Or do you want to be sharing the gospel? See, if you believe that Jesus Christ will come again to judge the living and the dead, how is that actually influencing your decision-making today? It's not that going to Disneyland isn't okay. It's not that watching the Orioles or the Ravens isn't okay or any other team that you choose to watch. What's the key influence in knowing that Christ will come again to judge the living and the dead? What's that make you want to do? See, your decision about sharing the good news of the gospel, how's that affected by that, that truth that he's going to come again to judge? How's it affect your decision about where you spend your time and your money? See, we need to, we need to refocus, to, to refuel our lives, if you will, to go in the direction that the knowledge of Christ's return and judgment should take us. We need to stare that way so that we steer that way. And then to come back to that, that idea of God's wrath. You see, for those who are not free in Christ, that wrath has been dealt with. Yeah? That wrath is going to be God's judgment. If you are free in Christ, that wrath, you will be seen as righteous, even though you are unrighteous because you are free in Christ. those who choose to go their own way God's wrath will come upon them See, Jesus is coming to judge the living and the dead we've got to talk more openly about this we've got to talk more openly about the wrath of God in order to truly talk honestly about the love of God God's wrath is it's it's an appropriate response to our rebellion. That's what it is. Those who choose to live outside of God's love choose the consequences to their actions. We all have consequences to our actions and here is an eternal consequence. So what do you do? What do you do as a result of knowing this as a result of being reminded that God's judgment is coming that you will be one day stood in front of Christ being judged how does that impact your future decisions because he will come again of that I have no doubt. Scripture tells us that. The creed sums it up for us. And we can't just say he's going to come again and forget that he's going to come as judge. Because he is. And he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. 
and which camp will you find yourself? As we move into a time of reflection, just want to remind you all that the prayer room is going to be open um, during this reflective time for anyone to pray with you, uh, to pray with you, to pray for you, and just give them a call. Um, everything is confidential in the prayer room. People just want to be praying for you and helping you to move forward in your faith to realign your vision so that you stare at Jesus so that you can steer towards him more consistently as your as your north star if you will as your morning star so I'm going to play a couple of songs look at asking him to be our vision Asking him to change our heart. Be reflecting. Be prayerful. And if you want someone to pray with you, call in to the prayer room.